Hey folks, we have some exciting news for you all. We have just launched a brand new company founded on the tenets of our love as a business strategy philosophy, the same philosophy that you've grown to know and love. This new venture is called Culture Plus. Culture Plus is a culture as a service company that provides training experiences, consulting services, and digital tools to help companies achieve high performing and high reliability cultures and teams. To learn more, visit culture-plus.com. That's culture-plus.com. And now let's get to the show. If you've ever felt stuck in your business or leadership, today's episode is for you. John Dwoskin is a business coach that specializes in helping leaders get unstuck and grow their business. And we ask him, what role does love play in that equation? Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma, and I'm joined today by co-host and co-author, Frank Dana. Frank, how's it going today? Hey, Jeff, I'm feeling good. This uh, button-up shirt is very uncomfortable for those that are watching the video. <laughs> I'm wearing a button-up shirt. Which is, if you follow the show through video somehow, which I don't think is very many, um, you'll know that that's, that's different. So good job, Frank. Way to mix it up. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. Every episode, Frank, we like to dive into one element or person of business and strategy and test our theory of love against it. And today's guest is John Dwoskin. He's an executive advisor, business coach, and he's the founder and CEO of the John Dwoskin Experience. He's known for being a business coach who will get you unstuck and grow your business big. So welcome to the show, John. How's it going? Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Frank. It's great. It's great to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And before we get going, we have icebreakers that I make Frank do first. What? And that you get second. So you have time to think. That's how we okay. treat our guests right here. <laughs> so the question today, and people think we, 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 we like prepare for these. We really don't. Frank is yeah. like genuinely nervous for these. So I love it. <laughs> what am I going to do? You, this note, this is an easy one. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? Eliminate one thing from my daily routine. Okay, maybe it's not that easy. It's not I got, that easy. I got an answer. I'll, I'll go first, Frank. Maybe. Please, John. Please go first. I'm <laughs> right. trying to. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I'll I'll answer one for you, which is go back to wearing maybe t-shirts or non-collared shirts. <laughs> right. It's itchy. I, right. I I stopped wearing. Uh, I used to wear a suit or a three-piece suit. Pandemic hit, and all I do is wear black t-shirts. I for mm -hmm. the last literally 18, 19 months. It's great. I don't have to think about yes. it. It's perfect. Um, but I would say for me, my routine that I would break would be eating past eight o'clock. Mm. That night, that night eating is like, it's a dangerous uh, trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason I don't right. fit in any of my three piece suits anymore. <laughs> and it's, hard. it's been a lot harder to break post COVID when you, you know, oh. the, like those, that those nightly habits of like, you know, both my kids, I have a, 18 and 15 year old, but you know, I mean, just those nightly 
DiGiorno pizzas and Ooh. baked goods. Mm. It was just, it's hard to break the, the coziness of that. It, it tastes better after eight. It just tastes better. <laughs> Everything tastes better after eight o'clock. 7.59, gross. Right. 8.01, <laughs> delivery. Yeah, Everything delicious. tastes not better. delivery. It's, yeah. it's DiGiorno. I think for right, me, right, right. for me, it would be chores. Like I would love to eliminate chores from a daily routine. Like if I could have a mad, wave a magic wand and not have to do chores, that would be it. Yeah, I think just kind of eliminating washing the dishes every night. Ah, uh, it's the worst. But it's not putting worst. it on my wife. Not putting it. Saying like I'm not no, going to. I'm, I'm not going to eliminate it from my life and also yeah. just place it onto her life. I literally right. am saying they're done magically. That's what yeah. I would do. You know, in college, me, that's the best. I just want to say this. In college, I was laughing about this with my wife and my son and my daughter the other day. We there's a place here called ABC Warehouse. I don't know if you guys have one of those by where you live, but it used to, so growing up. Every time you bought something, you got sets of dishes. And so when I went to college, we had like 20 sets of like these kind of cheap dishes in our garage. And so when I lived with my buddies, anytime the dishes got too dirty, we just threw them away. <laughs> there you we go. Did. We could afford to. Sounds, we did, right? sounds we just, amazing. We would just throw it all away. And then, you know, I'd go home and just like get a new box of dishes. So there it is. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. There you go. Now, I'm trying to give you a solution, Frank. Right. That's a great solution. Right. I mean, I could price for, it out. I could yeah. see how that could work. Where are the for plates? Me, <laughs> for me, if I could just push a button in the morning and it just it's just sent my kids directly to school or the yeah. bus stop, that would be incredible. Like go. I could do without that that morning routine yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, that was that was. <laughs> That's a good icebreaker. Thank you. Hey, John. Can I say one thing? Because I Please. think as you're talking about routine, I would love your guy. I was talking about this with somebody the other day where to me, I think the next um, because you know, like at night, you it's like to cook, I think is tiring at night. And so I thought I was talking to somebody that I think the next level of Instacart is there's a special group of people in Instacart who will buy the ingredients and then come and actually cook the food Ooh. and then and then in another level where they'll wait and actually clean the dishes you just you just described a, a personal chef i guess i mean right but like but 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 via level. instacart right you know how like yeah. you go to uber and it's like uber, uber right uber uber xl uber you know there's like different levels you could do uber like chef. A, correct uber like instacart chef where they there come and they cook everything you know, John, not only is that a great idea, it's like it's both a great idea and scary that it's a great idea because yeah. <laughs> it, that shouldn't be a great idea. Any like you well, know what? How about like like Uber Eats plus plus where they show right. up and then they you don't even have you. to move. They'll put the food right. in your mouth after right. they cook it. They'll feed you, wipe your mouth for you. Well, I'm not talking out. about like making you a can of soup. Although, by the way, for elderly people, it could be a great that, solution. That could be lucrative. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're I building a new like, business on this podcast right now. Right. I, I mean, would like you <laughs> would you pay fifty dollars to get groceries and maybe at eight or seven o'clock at night? A hundred dollars to have somebody come cook it? I would. <laughs> and then a hundred and thirty dollars, thirty dollars to, to clean up. <laughs> That's a date night right there. 
I don't know if I'd pay that extra eight dollars to let a stranger in my house, to be honest. But <laughs> we let strangers drive They're us vetted. all over. We let strangers drive us every day with the Uber. I don't think I, I never think about it. They're vetted, man. They're vetted. We got to get in place. Yeah. yeah. Right now, hold on. I'm gonna pencil John down for another episode where we dive into this business idea. <laughs> right. No, it, it is an idea. It's a billion dollar idea. I'm with you. Yeah. And and now we're gonna we're gonna partner up. We're gonna make this happen. Good. We'll call we'll it like Schmuber or something like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, John. <laughs> Let's talk about you. We'll talk. We're definitely going to dive back into that business idea right. off the air. But let, let's talk we'll about you. Gonna... We'll go thirds. I, I'm 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 all about sharing the wealth. <laughs> John, uh, high level, high level. Yeah. Tell us about yourself and your passion in life. My passion is um, from a business perspective. My passion in my personal life is my, are my wife and my kids and my and my dogs and my family and and my friends. Um, my passion in my business life is working with, I don't know if you can hear me. When I talk, I can hear myself. Can you guys? Oh, there we go. Frank, so Frank, I think um, Frank's on an echo there. It's for, oh, yeah. So um, my passion in my business life is, and I'm so passionate about it. I love it. I, I love it, which is I work with successful people who are stuck and I get them unstuck. And I am a, I'm a business coach. I podcast a lot. I blog a lot. I write a lot. I have a book. But my um, keynotes are coming back. But my the majority of my business is one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. And I work with solopreneurs to Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Fortune type people, and everything in between. And, um, and, and, and everybody wants to know, well, how do you work with them? Well, typically, I'll do a three-hour deep dive. And then everybody gets put on a maintenance program of 15 minutes a week or 30 minutes every other week. And then I'm always accessible anytime my clients need me in between. I'm always on call and return every call, text, email, same day. Because it's about the real-time help that they need, not just when we meet. So that's kind of a high, high level. I work with C-level execs, leaders. I work with managers uh, because most managers don't know how to manage people. Salespeople because most salespeople don't know how to sell. And leaders uh, because they don't know how to lead, especially through this new world of a post-COVID world. And um, and I work with them on everything you can possibly imagine. I'm sold. I want, I'm, cur <laughs> I'm curious. In the Venn diagram of the yeah. John Dwoskin experience yeah. and, and, and let's just say love, tell me about that overlap. What is, sure. Where does love live in the John yeah. Dwoskin experience? It lives, it's the, it's the whole foundation. I mean, I, um, I have always kind of evolved my career through fulfillment. And I, about 25 years ago, I read a book called um, The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukav. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. And in it, what he talks about is that the ideal soul is when the personality, the ideal human being is when the personality ends and the soul begins. And I remember 25 years ago when I read this, I thought, hmm, I'm out of alignment, right? Because I know what my soul is. But I was kind of more brash in a business in a business environment um, than my soul was, and so and I didn't know how to to I didn't know how to um, I, I didn't know how to how to level that off, right? But but it was a it was a a big awareness for me, and so and so that just that line that book 
right? And it uh, it kind of morphed it for me. And so I thought, all right. And then a quote by Tony Robbins, which is one of my favorites, which is success minus fulfillment equals failure. And so through my careers, and we can, if you guys want to know about that, I can share that with you in a little bit, but I've always kind of moved towards fulfillment. My ultimate fulfillment because my dad, when I was 18, gave me a set of tape sets called uh, The Psychology of Success by Brian Tracy, was I put it on my ears, Jeff and Frank, and I knew it was what I wanted to do for a career. I knew I wanted to speak, I wanted to coach, I wanted to write books, I wanted to inspire people to be and to get to their highest potential. So I became obsessed with learning all through college. All I mean, my whole life, I'm 49 now, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not growing myself so I can help other people get to their highest potential. And I started this business because everything, what, what I was doing was not fulfilling. And I knew that I could either conform to corporate America, which is where I was, or move to fulfillment. And that's what I did. And in fulfillment is love. So I, I think it, it can't, they can't live without each other. I I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about the attributes of fulfillment. What are some of those attributes, some of those, yeah. those elements of descriptors of what fulfillment can and maybe should look like in a, yeah. in a life, in someone's life? For me, it's about feeling grounded and alignment. Um, for me, it's about feeling like I don't have to over-describe what I do to anyone. It just the energy of what I do. I'm not one, I mean, I'm on this podcast and I'm talking about myself, but I'd much rather talk about the Uber idea, uh, the Schmuber idea that we have, right? <laughs> than talk about myself. It's, uh, I, 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 it's about being in a place where you're so in alignment in your unique ability that you don't have to speak a lot about what you do because it just comes out. Your ability to speak on it, to, to surrender to the universe where things come through you because you're so in alignment. Like sometimes, sometimes I'm coaching people and I, I don't know, I get myself in such a zone and in such a state that I can see and hear things that they miss so clearly that it, um, it's like, it comes, the only way I can describe it is it literally comes through me. So I'll say, you know what, I'm picking up on, um, I'm picking up on X, Y, and Z, you know, does this make sense to you? And they'll be like, how do, how do you know that? And I just, because I'm in their energy space, because I'm in alignment, I can be in, I can get them aligned. Nice. So that's how I would describe it. It's like, a, it's more of a sense than it is like, if you have to, if you have to overdefine or explain that you're in alignment, then you're probably not in full alignment, right? Yeah. I don't have to convince myself that I am because I am. I think with, um, our show, Love is a Business Strategy, one of the the key kind of tones that we're always hitting on is around leadership and what yeah. leadership should look like from our perspective. Um, so narrowing in on that specific topic, can you, you know, that talk about that alignment when it comes to your perspective on coaching leaders and leadership yeah. skills specifically? And, and to add on to that, How's that different from management skills? Well, leaders leaders have a big responsibility because leaders, you know, if you're talking C-level type of leaders, 95% of the culture beats to their rhythm, the way they walk, the way they talk, the way everything that they do. 
So the business will have the level of love that the ultimate leader has because mm -hmm. everything trickles down from there. So if, for example, um, the, the leader is a yeller, it's very toxic for the whole organization. Even if they yell twice in a room full of people, right? If there's too many people in that room, you know, you're in trouble. And so, especially in today where we're in a, in a world with the great resignation, right? Where people are more in alignment because of COVID with their own personal values. Like, wait, I, I don't want to work for that. I don't want to be part of that. That's not in alignment with, maybe they don't use these words, that's not in alignment with my soul. When I left my career in commercial real estate, I said to my boss, he said, why are you leaving? Like, you're doing great, You this and that. I said, I love everybody here. It's just no longer in alignment with my soul. And he said to me, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> and I said, I said, it means I made the right decision. So that was it, right? And so I think leaders have a responsibility to to have a heart, to, to, to have an HR department or an HR uh, group that people can reach out to, right? Because people need to communicate things more now than ever before. They have a responsibility to pick up the phone and actually, I think, call people and say, because a CEO can call somebody once a year on their birthday or once a year on their work anniversary, right? Because the bigger the company, you can't touch everything. But to have certain time scheduled to say, hey, I just wanted to say, keep up the good work. That The shelf life of that is a long, long time, mm -hmm. right? So I'll go into companies like, we don't know about X, Y, and Z, and da, 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 blah, blah. So I'll say, well, why don't you have the CEO call 40 people? Oh, well, they don't have time for that. Well, how do they not have time for that? I remember uh, my brother and I, I um, started an internet company out of college in 1995 at my parents' basement. We ultimately sold it to, at the time, the largest internet investment, uh, largest internet um, uh, professional service firm in the world. And we met with boarders because we're in Detroit. So they're in, in Ann Arbor. And they were like, we met with them a couple of times and we kept on saying the internet is real. And they were like, nah, the guy don't remember the person we met with a couple of times, but they were like, no, I mean, am this Amazon thing, I'm putting some adaptation to it, but this Amazon thing isn't going to last and people aren't going to buy on the internet and it's a fad. And and I often sometimes joke that had boarders listened to my brother and I, they'd still be around, mm -hmm. but they weren't talking to their customers, right? We could point to a lot of, you know, different companies. So where, where were the company, where were the leaders talking to their customers? Because that data is kind of free, right? So I think there's a responsibility for leadership today to communicate uh, and, and, and get people more emotionally connected um, to the company. And you do that by having a very clear and concise vision and you're walking and talking that vision and you're not, the, the, I think the CEOs of tomorrow, the leaders of tomorrow have to be accessible, right? One of my things is for my coaching, I'm, if you are a one-on-one -on -one coaching client of mine, I am always accessible to you. I return every call, text, email, same day. I'm not going to pick up the phone or an answer an email right now. I'm on the, I'm on with you guys, but every client of mine knows when they need me, I am there. And they're all respectful. And so the CEOs of tomorrow, so I sell my accessibility. And so the CEOs obviously can't have everybody just calling them. There's gotta be some chain of commands, but they've got to be approachable 
in the because the next decade pre-covid studies were showing that by the year 2030 85 percent of the jobs that exist do not exist today and some additional studies and people will point to covid accelerating that three to seven years depending on who you talk to yeah. and so the the businesses of tomorrow are require more effective communication right where people feel connected to the ceo and the vision not just the vision and some empty face in my opinion i love that yeah, yeah. absolutely I, I feel the same way i love the way you articulated that thanks i i have a a question around your philosophy or i guess i guess your tagline uh you pride yourself in getting i guess people unstuck is your mm -hmm. term can you describe and again i'm kind of narrowing in on this focus on like leadership and leadership skills a little bit but yeah. even more narrow here can you can you share kind of what being stuck looks like from a a leadership or even better bonus points from a from a cultural yeah. um culture perspective do you have any anecdotes or experiences that you can share there yeah um I'm a big believer that the same level of consciousness that got you to where you are cannot get you to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And you need to be, you need to be thinking differently. And sometimes people are stuck. And, and let me just say this. Some it's people are typically much closer to being unstuck than, uh, than they think they are. And so from a, from a, um, from a standpoint of kind of what that looks and feels like it's, when you can't seem to inspire people, when you can't seem to get people to grow, when you're not investing in your people, um, when, you're, when your sales are stagnant, when your people uh, lack energy. Um, you know, leadership today is a huge responsibility because the leaders have to infuse the culture and the energy of an organization. And the shelf life is shorter because the environment is so different. And so today you're looking at companies that are, you know, the hybrid model is not going away. So it used to be you could, you know, you know, management by walking around, right? You had a cup of coffee. Okay, it's it's eight, it's eight thirty. I'll walk, I'll make a round. That'll take me an hour. Okay, it's it's two thirty. People, the lull in the office is at three o'clock. I'll make a round, and you know, so so a manager or a leader sometimes of an organization that is maintainable, they're walking around talking to people for three hours, being able to touch all of their employees. Well, today you, you, you can't do that today. And I don't think you're going to be able to do it tomorrow because that hybrid worker who's more effective, more efficient, more fulfilled because they can, they don't have to drive an hour home to have dinner with their family. How do you connect with that person? So, they are emotionally connected to the vision and you and the culture and they still feel connected and um and 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 so what do you do well everybody now needs more structure right so structure is really important because most people what i find is they cannot structure themselves so it used to be it's kind of it's interesting i, I find sometimes that um the greatest athletes or sometimes people in the armed forces they come work um in business environments and sometimes people are, and and sometimes they they don't do as well as people think because they think that they're that they can just structure themselves when really they're so used to working within a structure where the manager or the leader miss the opportunity to help them is to give them the structure 
and the roadmap needed so they can then perform in their with into their highest potential and in their ability versus saying like come on board and then just let people be you know so when you take these people who are who can excel but they need structure and i find that i use that as an example because everybody needs more structure today and the the working parent who's working from home needs a certain structure right and there's like three different variations of what that structure looks like right if my kids were younger right i would i, I mean i i typically you know i i would want my schedule to reflect their schedule more so i could see them more in today's world i can do that 20 years ago i couldn't as much right 10 years ago i couldn't as much so as my values change, personal values, and especially post-COVID, that's why we're seeing this great resignation. It, to me, it's about people are more in alignment with their personal values and want to be with a company that those values align. When they don't, they, they, they may not be able to articulate it, but they can sure feel it. Yeah. And that lack of feeling, yeah. And that lack of feeling is why they're going to say, you know what? I'll leave, which we're seeing. I'll leave with no job because I'll find a job. And if I can't find a job, I'll go on Upwork. I'll do that. I will figure out how to make some money until I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so what does stuck look like? Stuck looks like if you, <laughs> if your company doesn't have systems and processes and ways of over communicating and helping people put structure in and forecasting where your business is going to be one, two, three years from now. If your company doesn't have a succession plan of every single employee, if your business isn't recruiting uh, to make sure that, you know, you're, you have the right people and you're building an org chart for the future, then you're already kind of stuck because you're not forecasting effectively. It also, it also feels like that also limits your ability to be resilient, right? Because what you're talking right. about is this very cyclical nature of business that there will be a downturn at some point in time, depending on what organization you're working with or what industry you're in. And if we're not preparing for that, then we're ultimately, you know, being ineffective. So right. if, if, we're in a, if we're in a good position as an organization, that's the time where we need to be building more resilience, right? But Correct. leaders aren't thinking like that in regards to, I, I don't know, maybe it's just feeling like they, they get to that comfort, comfort level that they don't want yeah. to push, push against that resistance. Yeah. Um, what, what are you seeing in, in regards to that, the need to build more resilience? Yeah. Well, resilience, listen, I, I think I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of it. I talk about resilience a lot. I love resilience. I love the word resilience. I love the word discipline because resilience is how quickly you can bounce back. Right. So what we saw a lot of once when COVID hit, I was at a workshop for like 30, 40 people. I think it was like March 12th of 2020. And everyone was like, is this COVID thing something? And then like the next day, the world shut down. So we were mm -hmm. like, we didn't even know we were at like a super spread. You know? And then March 1st, March 2nd of 2020, I, I was doing a keynote at a group where there was four some hundred people. And they then canceled all of their international and domestic travel because they were like, wait, this may be something. But we were all flying. No, I mean, everyone was like just kind of, you know, and 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 so then all of a sudden, you know, March, I can't remember the exact date, let's just say March 15th, the world completely shut down. And people had to be resilient within two weeks. Companies who had never been hybrid, work from home, scared of it 
thought it was a millennial thing. They were like, whoa, we, our people don't even have laptops. We don't have systems. We don't have processes. And so they had to be resilient. Well, that was reactive resilience. So proactive resilience is where you teach people, okay, I think part of being a leader today is taking, teaching people and validating and giving them space to take care of themselves. Part of resilience is, hey, I want everybody in the company to meditate. So I, as a business owner, <clears throat> am buying everyone in my company the Calm app. I want you to be able to recalibrate yourself so you can be resilient. I want to encourage everybody to take a 20-minute walk every day because if you're not in nature and you're not recalibrating and you're not diffusing your brain, you're not going to be able to be resilient. So, so if you're at home and you're listening to your dogs bark and you're, um, you know, the uh, and you're making your kids lunch in the middle of the day and you're actually more distracted, it's easy to come to the office. It's quiet, <laughs> right? And so you have to kind of give them the tools today because most people will not take care of themselves. Most people will not invest in themselves. They, they want a company to say, here is a gym membership, even if it's a Planet Fitness. Here is a, a meditation app. I've given you tools. I'm suggest they're not mandatory, but I want you to know that I value you to take care of you. I like, I like the idea of understanding that resilience doesn't just mean resilience for an organization to be able to rebound. Yeah. It's also the personal ability to rebound or remove distraction and come back fresh. Right. And I feel, right. I feel like most often we're talking about operational resilience for organizations to get back to those business outcomes. But what we're talking about now is more about personal resilience, Correct. the ability as an individual to step back up and then push past through the resistance of whatever is whatever is there in front of us, right? Correct. And I think that I think everyone needs to hear that. I think that's incredibly yeah. valuable. Yeah, I, I just wrote an article for Forbes on it because I really think it's really really important, and and it's it's something that I don't think companies are thinking about. And to me, it's kind of like it's right in front of you. Now, if you have a business where you're, you know, you're you have independent contractors, you have people all over the world. I mean, that's different. Can you do that? Yes, but I'm talking about people who are on your payroll, who are working for you full time. I mean, these people need a break. They need a break. You know, I do a lot of time management. I do. I teach a lot about time management. That seems to be my most popular keynote that I do, time management. Uh, and I became obsessed with time management because when I was 18 years old, my dad signed me up for a Franklin, um, Franklin Planner time management weekend. I was 18. I was the youngest person by like what felt like at the time, you know, 300 years, 40, you know, and I was 18, but I became obsessed with time management. So I teach a lot of time management, simple, simple concepts, time blocking, how to organize your day, you know, things of that nature, but not simple to me, not simple to the masses. And so you got to teach your people. When I keynote, I, I talk about meditation and the importance of quiet time and, 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 and doing something for yourself and you need CEOs must or leaders, they have to incorporate that because people are going to burn. I, I would predict that people will burn out way faster in a hybrid model because they're not re-energized by, listen, I, I just got an office. I haven't had an office for six years. I just got an office in June. 
it's great. I love my drive to the office, the ritual of an office, the coffee at a certain time at the office, right? There's like something about it that like, I'm not listening to my dogs bark every time they see somebody walk by because my dogs, you know, sits in the room. He's the same color as my chair. So I forget he's there. And then he barks and scares the hell out of me. You know what I mean? While I'm like live on a podcast or, you know what I mean? Like, um, and so, and so you need, you, you need that, right? The guilt of my kids kind of, you know, coming home and I'm in my office in a meeting and I can't go say hello to them, but I'm like, and I'm in a meeting and they're talking me through a door. It's like, there's all of these added pieces of that, 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 that I think, you know, owners have to kind of fall into and then lead and manage and just say, Hey, it's okay. Right. I think one thing um, that you said kind of stuck out to me as something that I would want to break into a little more and not really, not really challenge what you're saying, but add on, because I think I, I really feel this um, I'm really feeling aligned to like this need to give people that, um, the tools and, and show them that, um, you know, that you value kind of their own mental health, their, their personal, um, kind of space and things like that. I think one of the challenges that I've seen, um, working with, with leaders, especially is that they don't start with themselves though. Like they don't, like you can convince them that, Hey, you need to spend X amount of dollars on getting everybody a, an app or getting everybody, you know, or, you know, allowing everybody to take certain amounts of times off and things like the starting policies. Um, but I've also seen that kind of fall flat when, you know, they themselves don't actually believe in, in that change or that need or that, because, because what people end up getting is perks and benefits that are kind of empty behind kind of the, the, the attitudes and behaviors that are still hitting them from leadership or from their boss or their environment. Right. So it's like, Oh, great. I have, this app provided to me by the company, but my boss is still saying, still treating me like, you know, that I need to work X amount and I don't matter. Right. Um, and so the, these, I think there's this, this, I want to, I want to hear your take on that, I guess, because I think it's, it's much easier to advise people or coach people into here are some processes and tools that yeah. you can implement, but how do you get people to, you know, look at their behaviors and their own mindsets first? Well, it's not, um, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. And, um, and leaders, you know, if they're saying one thing and doing another, they're just going to see a lot, you know, they're, they're not going to see the retention that they want. And I think a lot of old school leaders, you know, when you talk about love and, you know, love is a business strategy and you got to think with your heart and, you know, they're like, okay, I will after I, you know, the bottom line makes sense, right? After I'll do that, you know? And so, um, but can you do both? I think you can do both, right? Can somebody as an owner, as a manager, you know, to me in an organization, accountability is key, right? Accountability with authority is key, right? Not an authoritarian, but accountability with authority is key. Training is key, teaching people things. But everybody, in my opinion, needs a very detailed, specific, and measurable business plan. Hey, here's what you need to do. You need to accomplish this. Yes. Should you meditate? Yes. Should you take some time for yourself? Yes. Should you do this? Yes. 
but you also got to hit your goals, right? So this isn't a spa, it's a business, but we understand mental health as well as a big thing. So here's your goals every quarter. Here's your goals every month. Here's what we need to see every week, right? Because we need to grow as a business. If you're not doing that, then there's consequences and those consequences should be laid out, right? In most businesses, you will get a, you know, a, a, a verbal warning you'll get written up and you may even get let go. The obstacle is, is that people are nervous right now to say, here's your business plan. Here's what we're holding you accountable for because the leaders are nervous that people are going to quit. Well, I don't want to be held accountable. Well, but this is a job. But if you, if, but if you're going to make me feel bad that I didn't hit my goal, I'm going to quit. Okay. But this is a company we need to grow, make money. We need to do what we say we're going to do. So then you reverse engineer that you got to, you got to hire the right people, right? You have to recruit really well because at the end of the day, people still have to do their jobs. Now to answer your deeper question, a leader who says one thing, but then makes somebody feel guilty for doing something, <laughs> right? The opposite. Hey, I want you to, take I want you to take time with your family. Okay. We're going to go on a, a long weekend and I'm going to take Friday off. Okay, but I expect you to take all my calls because um, when I need, when I say jump, I expect you to jump, right? That type of leader is going to see um, people leaving the company, right? I don't think guilt is the characteristic of the future of what people are going to um, live by. And I think the more people realize that they, you know, sometimes I run this, I, I, I talk to come, I talk to people and I say, hey, what do you, I don't have my phone anywhere around me, but um, but it doesn't matter. But I'll say, what do you make a year? And they'll say, I'm just throwing out, throwing out a number, you know, $100,000 a year, right? I'll say, okay, so if you, hold on, I want to just, I don't know where my phone is. Here it is. So I said, how many hours, a, how many hours a week do you work? Right? So they'll say, well, I work um, 45 hours a week. Okay, 45 hours a week. Uh, so that's about 180 hours a month. Times that by 11, which is about a little shy of 2,000, because a month of vacations and holidays, et cetera. So if you make, let's just say, $80,000, right? And you divide that by 2,000 hours, that's $40 an hour. And so I think what people are starting to realize is, wait, I, could, I can figure out a way to make $40 an hour. My babysitter gets $15 an hour. So all I got to figure out is, right, my masseuse gets $100 an hour. And I'm, at, and I'm getting $40 an hour. So what could I do that could make me $4 an hour? Because I, I don't want to feel this type of pressure, right? Now, there's difference between pressure of a business plan and pressure of a business plan and then feeling like people are overstepping what I'm hearing you say, overstepping the line, preaching one thing and then expecting something else. Well, well what I'm saying is also, I think where a lot of people need coaching is, is how to hold people accountable, right? Yeah, I do that a lot. I do that a lot. Know, I work, yeah, yeah. Because that's what I'm saying is that I completely agree with you. It's a business. We have yeah. to hit our goals. And I, and I see the problem you're stating as well, which is, you know, People, it's it's sometimes hard to and this is a this is a problem this is you're, you're in my wheelhouse now because when we teach love as a business strategy one of the top things that comes up is well how do you be nice to people all the time and i have to demystify that right away right. like you're not nice to people all the time you're you're empathetic which is different right but you're still holding people accountable and i think that's where 
I see the biggest gap at times because absolutely we need to hold people accountable. But I think people are more upset by how you hold them accountable than necessarily being held accountable sometimes, right? Um, But I'll get into the crevice of that, Jeff, because I think what it is also, it's a training issue. So there's there's different generations. So like there's generations where it's kind of like, like I'm 49, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 49. And so there's, there's, you know, when I was younger, whether I had my own business, but more when I was in corporate America, there's certain things you had to figure out, right? But the companies that figured it out that had really great training, so they always had training on the crevices of everything. So it was kind of like, hey, we need you need to evolve here. It's not like, okay, go figure it out. It's like, hey, you need to evolve here. Like I work with a lot of companies that say, hey, these, these 10 people in the company are great. This person's making a half a million. This person's making 100,000. This person's making 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, da, da, da. But here's the crevice of where they need training. They can't see it. So then, I, so then they will invest in me to coach a lot of the people within their organizations in the nuance areas that they need training in, coaching in, right? I think it's the 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 CEOs that aren't that I shouldn't say the CEOs, but the C levels and the, those type of people that that are not investing in the training of their people mm-hmm. and just expecting them to build the narrative of what's in their head that they're not even articulating properly. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's very interesting that there's not a, a level of training now from, like you said, the crevices is an interesting kind of, it's like the, the edges, right? Like smoothing out the edges, buffing out the elements that need to be buffed Correct. out that are blind spots for most people, blind spots Correct. for yourself and being willing to say, Hey, I, I haven't had the same life situation that you've had, John. I've right. not gone through the same experiences that you've had or been in the same business um, encounters that you've had either. And so your experiences and seeing my my way of doing business, you're going to be able to notice those things. Right. And one of the one of the kind of the, the statements that we like to talk to talk about is being honest over being harmonious. Yeah. Because there's the necessity of being honest is reducing the fake harm, harmony that everyone wants to have. Right. Right. Because if, if, if there's just a nice culture and that's what your, your goal as a leader is getting to the position of being nice with each other. Yeah. Ultimately that harmony is not real. It is kind of created in the vacuum of not wanting to be honest with each other. Right. And when we're saying honesty, I'm not talking about like rude or purposefully, you know, attacking people in a way that kind of cuts them down, but creating an environment where that honesty creates accountability. Right. And if you're able to create actual and have honest conversations with people about areas that they need to improve or things that you've seen, it creates opportunity for accountability. And that also gives people a chance to see that they are cared for. Right. So to me, kind of what you're saying, it all makes sense to me in sort of like building towards a goal of business outcomes, right? If I'm cared for and I see that my, my C-level, my leadership team is interested in investing in me, and guess yeah. what I'm going to do? I'm going to put forth the effort. Yeah. I'm going to work because I see the value. They see the value in me and I see the value in sticking around. Right. And that, right. that no. to me is, is kind of this, the, it's 100%. all interconnected. 100%. And, and you got to be, as a leader, you have to be able to say tough things in a tactful manner. You got to be able to say things that, and in, in with a, with a cadence and with a tone that is not hurtful and lead, and, and lead people there, but still be honest. 
right? And so it's that balance between nice and tough and tough and nice. And being tough doesn't mean um, that you're an asshole. It just means you're holding people accountable. That's why you need a business plan because you need to be able to point to the to the numbers, to the something fact. objective, something objective. Obje correct, right? right. Like, right. hey, you said you were going to do X, and you you forget ninety percent of it. You got to fifty percent. So, what happened? What can I help you with? And how can you help yourself? Right. Yeah. Absolutely, John. There's a lot more I want to dive into, including. Our, business, our new venture that we're going to partner up on. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about this. I thought about a name. I'm calling it Chef to You, but it's the number two in the letter U. It's not very good. It's a first pass. I need some feedback yeah, from this team. I like it. I like it. And it's and the U can have like a tongue, like you know, like a slurping up the pasta. Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> John, before we part ways, though, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, your business? How can how can listeners yeah. reach you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, uh, well, anybody can call me on my cell phone, 248-535-7796. Um, I give it to every, every podcast, everything I, I give it, you know, everywhere. Um, I'm a big believer. I answer my own phone. I make my own calendar. Um, I promote accessibility I, and I am accessible. Um, my website is johndwaskin.com. And through that, you can get to all my stuff. You can get to my blogs, my tips, my videos, my podcast, my think business, uh, uh, Think Business with John Dwoskin podcast. And uh, it's on every platform, but you can get to everything through johndwoskin.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And John, I do really appreciate you taking the time today to share that knowledge, drop that wisdom. Um, and, you know, just in general, having this really great conversation. So thank you so much for being here well, today. Thanks. Love I appreciate you, you both. You. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Great. Yeah. And to our listeners, thank you as well. Please be sure to check out our book. I'll never stop plugging it. And I'll say it every week. Love is a business strategy. Best-selling Wall Street Journal book available on Amazon, anywhere you want to go. Get books. It's there. Subscribe. Rate the podcast if you can. Visit johndwaskin.com. Tell a friend about all of us. Frank, thank you for joining us as well. And with that, everybody have a nice day.